Hey folks, it's Bama Athreya, your host on The Geek Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And this show is now part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. You can discover more than just us by visiting their website at laborradionetwork.org. The Labor Radio Network will help you find your favorite union podcast or radio show, besides this one, of course. What is the Labor Radio Podcast Network? It's a simple network of folks from around the United States. Working people keep raising their voices more and more each day and demanding better treatment from their workplaces and from their elected officials. These voices don't get heard very much on the corporate-controlled media. But the 21st century labor movement has a new way to get its message out there besides traditional media gatekeepers. Uh, Yeah, it's ironic, but we are talking about corporate-controlled social media. But we are trusting you as the gatekeepers. So plug in and get the real news. For a one-stop shop, just visit laborradionetwork.org. On the main page, you'll see a grid of show logos, and you can just click on any one of them and the description and links pop up right there. It's worth going to visit this ever-growing set of voices for labor. BCTGM Voices Project, a podcast highlighting the real people who make up our union, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers. I'm Michelle Ellis, Director of Digital Media. I will bring the work of our union to you through monthly interviews with the BCTGM's hardworking leaders, organizers, and everyday members. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. BCTGM workers at Local 364 in Portland, Oregon, kicked off a multi-location strike against Vondelis International, the current owner of Nabisco Brands, on August 10th. They were soon followed by Local 26 in Aurora, Colorado on August 12th, Local 358 in Richmond, Virginia on August 16th, and Local 1 in Chicago on August 19th. At the time of this recording, there are more than 1,000 striking BCTGM members across the four facilities. BCTGM's International Secretary-Treasurer David Woods sat down to talk with me on Wednesday, August 18th, to discuss the bargaining issues which led to this four-state coordinated action. In this episode, he also talks about how the company has changed over multiple decades and how proud he is of our members for taking such a massive stand against what he deemed a bully company. As always, the best way to support our union and these workers is to share this recording and others like it by sending it to a friend or posting on social media. Also consider leaving a solidarity message or a review in the podcast platform you're listening on to help us build our audience. With that, here is BCTGM International Secretary-Treasurer David Woods. I want to start because I've been asked this. For you to explain how these contracts are set up, like locally, nationally, and how this leads to multiple locations being able to go out 
but on straight. Uh, the way it's done is they it's, it's more of a what's called a pattern type bargaining instead of a master agreement. The contracts are actually local agreements. We come together to bargain together only on the national issues, meaning we have like a, what we call a rally meeting with the locals that are involved. Uh, the rally meeting, we, we decide what is local issues and what is national issues. Something national issues being things that affect all the locations, whether it be benefits, pay, schedules, working conditions, anything they have in common that are similar that would affect all locations are considered national issues. Anything that's just unique to that local agreement, uh, which could be something like shift times, could be something specific to a specific job bid or bidding process, or uh, could be considered a local issue. And so the uh, way it works is the locals get together with management and talk about just local issues that just affects their location. Once they've completed that process, or at least have completed as far as they can agree to, then it moves to those issues remaining would move to the national table where all the discussions come up about uh, things that affect all locations. So we try to work through whatever lingering issues are locally, and then we move into the national issues. And that's kind of how the, the different locals come together. Uh, and we all come together. All the locals have representatives at the table at the national table uh, to negotiate together. And, and that's, that's what we're doing right now. So you had said all of these three locations that are currently on strike, their contracts are all expired. And well, actually, all, all the contracts are expired, uh, Michelle. They, the uh, uh, Norcross in Atlanta is expired. Chicago is expired. Uh, uh, and um, okay. so all the, the five units that are negotiating together is uh, Local 42 out of Atlanta, which covers Norcross, uh, Portland, Oregon, 364, Aurora, Colorado, Local 26, uh, Richmond, Virginia, 358, and Chicago, Illinois, Local 1 are all part of the national bargaining. So they're all their contracts have expired and and uh, and we come to negotiations. Well, can you talk a little bit about how Nabisco brand and or company has changed over the years? It's gone under different ownership and all these plants that have just been closing and how we got to this point. Yeah, over the years, uh, this company's been owned by different companies such as RJR and Nabisco, uh, RDR, Nabisco Brands and RJR Bottom, and then later Philip Morris Bottom. They sound tobacco companies because they are. Uh, they bought these companies because they were very profitable. Later, uh, Nabisco merged with Kraft Foods, and that's when changes really started happening in the plants. Uh, the respect of the workers from management went down. Uh, the plans for the company started changing uh, when Kraft got involved, and then later, uh, around 2011, Kraft spun off to a Mondelez uh, company, which really a lot of people don't know that name, but uh, but they are still Nabisco. That's what they make is Nabisco products. They are a global company. So, and, and then what's led through that, when I talk about changes with Kraft, uh, we're talking about plant closures. Uh, this company had a design back uh, when Kraft was part of the picture. They started up this design to try to eliminate factories. In the U.S., and the plan was to move a lot of their operations to Mexico. Since 1998, they've been closing plants. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Niagara Falls, New York, Houston, Texas, Buena Park, uh, California, Niles, Illinois, Toronto, Ontario, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Montreal, Quebec. The last, last two was this year. Just earlier, uh, just a month or so ago, we lost Atlanta, Georgia in June, and they closed in Fairlawn, New Jersey in 
in July, which was another thousand workers just between those two plants. And those jobs have gone to Mexico. The company insists that they haven't gone to Mexico, but they won't answer where the product went. Those two plants were huge plants, produced millions of pounds of products. And where did they go? They didn't go to the other facilities. So where did the product go? The company negotiator actually told me uh, that, well, it might have to go to Mexico for a while. Well, it's already in Mexico. And that's what the company had, had produced and tried to come over. So the company's kind of evolved in their portfolio to try to move to Mexico. In 2014, the company created a plant in Salinas, Mexico. Now it's the largest bakery and produces more Nabisco products than anywhere else. And they sell exclusively to coming up to, to move products up to the U.S. to sell to the American consumers. And they just exploit the workers in that area uh, for cheap labor and try to sell back to us and fool the American people that these are good American companies. This is not a good American uh, citizen. Uh, Mondelez is not to this community. Uh, but uh, that's kind of the history of where we evolved from a company standpoint, the, the philosophy of the company when it became craft and then later, especially when it came Mondelez, the philosophy of the company is to reduce wages and benefits for the workers in America. We know yeah. a few things about those workers down in Mexico. We know that they make 97 cents an hour. Um, yeah. And you had mentioned some things about the morale down there and how they do want a union. Uh, well, the company says they have a union, but it was created by the company and, and and the workers down there don't even know there is uh, such a thing. It's not a traditional union that you would have in the United States where the workers have a voice. Down there, the company just tells them they have a contract and here's your contract. And actually, we got our hands on a copy of that contract a few years ago, and it's true. They make 97 cents an hour. They work long days. Uh, they have bus rides to work. That's one of their perks. They get a bus ride to work and back. They don't treat them well at all uh, from what we're hearing from the people that we've heard over the years down in Mexico. There's a lot of intimidation down there. Moving into the strike then, what are you hoping to get out of this? What are the bargaining issues? Well, clearly uh, no takeaways. I mean, the company has come to the table just like they did in 2016, take the employee's pension away. And, and they did. Uh, they came in to take a lot of things away, uh, cut from the workers to give backs from the workers such as benefits and pay. The uh, company uh, took the workers' pension uh, and left people out with a, a substandard retirement plan that wasn't even mirrored match to match what they had. So there were concessions taken. The workers were angry. Uh, they, tried, they, they took on the company a little bit. Uh, but at the end of the day, we went four years or more without a contract. We had over 2,000 grievances amongst those five locals. Uh, during that four years, the company didn't recognize any rights of the workers or want to settle any grievances or arbitrations. But during that time, the management was very arrogant about if you got a problem, so what? Uh, they, they were very nasty to our workers. You know, in 2020, we got back under a one-year extension, got back under contract, uh, was able to hold off a lot of other concessions the company wanted. Let's try to settle things down. COVID was just getting, getting up. And we worked out some issues with the company to, to try to get through that year, to get to a bargaining the next year. Let's get everything together. We had, like I said, over 2,000 grievances unresolved over a four-year period that we wanted to work through before we got to the negotiations table, which we were able to do. Some things are still going, currently going to arbitration on some terminations and stuff that we felt were unjust uh, and some other issues. So there are still issues out there. Meanwhile, during that year, 
the company announced that uh, toward the end of that year, they may close two facilities. They were looking at uh, Lynn, Georgia, Fairline, New Jersey. And we were like, what will it take to keep these places open? And the company said, nothing. There was nothing they could do. We had, we had a couple of meetings with the company. They laid it out. They were going to profit over $350 million just by closing those two facilities. But they never would say where the product was going. Other than in a sidebar, I was told that obviously a lot of the product were going to be, uh, volume had to be picked up in Mexico uh, to suffice uh, until uh, we see other plans for that product. So the product had to go somewhere. Uh, they closed those facilities and they lied to the communities. And Fairline, New Jersey was the was there for a long time, was their uh, flagship. And the politicians and the community there had asked back when they closed uh, Philadelphia just a few years earlier, uh, is Fairline in jeopardy? And the company said, no, Mondelez said, no, no way. This, this place is, is secure, don't worry about it. A few years later, they closed it. Decisions aren't made overnight. The company knows what they were doing. This was a long time plan. They have no problem lying to the workers or to the community for profits. There's no loyalty to the American society or Americans in general, or American workers. Uh, this company has no respect for. So what we're looking for in this contract, Michelle, is, is no takeaways. Basically, these workers worked through COVID, uh, worked a lot of hours, a lot of days, made sure the companies made huge profits. They made record profits in 2020. They were considered essential workers and they came to work and they did their jobs. They worked the overtime, they put out the product, and now it's time for the company to give them their fair share. And the company's decided now they don't want to just not give them a fair share. They want to take away benefits. They want to take away health care uh, for employees. Uh, they want to take away overtime rights. They want to take away overtime pay, premium pay, where that could cost the worker anywhere from ten dollars to $20,000. People base their life on working a schedule and knowing that there's going to be overtime. And, and these people, you know, base their lives on it, put their kids through college, do that. And yes, they make a good wage and, the, and they have good benefits, but they fought for those benefits for years. They put in the hours, they put in the work, the company made the profits and they shared it with the workers until now. Now the company wants to just take, 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 and, and, and they want to take it from the workers. They want the workers to say, okay, give up, give us, give us everything that you got. We don't really care about your livelihoods. We just care about our profits and that's it. And so we want to stop that, stop the greed. We wanted some guarantees where the jobs would not go to Mexico. The company came to the table and said, well, you know, we'll promise that we'll look at maybe putting some more lines in these facilities. And, and if, if we can get these concessions, uh, and they are, they're, they're takeaways, these benefit cuts and benefit uh, packages that they're offering on, on overtime pay uh, and schedules, it's going to cost the workers money. And if they, they said, if they don't give them that stuff, there's no guarantee. They're not willing to put it in writing that there will be jobs, more jobs, more product come to the U.S. and to these facilities. They're not willing to guarantee anything. Uh, we've asked them. They said, no, they're not going to be able to guarantee it. And, and their history is they have a lot of broken promises. We're not looking to give concessions. COVID's not over. Our workers are still essential and they are heroes. They treated them really good during COVID. They needed them to come to work. Then all of a sudden, COVID started lightening up a little bit and the vaccine came out. The company started treating people like crap again and disrespecting the workers on the line, violating seniority, uh, not following the contract. It's like, it's like a light switch went off. Now we're back to not liking us again. I'll give you an example. Management over the last five to 10 years at all these locations have changed. There's no relationship between the local management and its workforce. And when I first started talking to Portland here a year or so ago, 
I asked them who the plant manager was and, and the local leadership. So they hadn't even met the plant manager. She don't even come out. She don't come out on the lines very often. She don't really introduce herself. She don't see her very often. So how do you, how is a company supposed to get to know the workers that's worked in this plant for, for anywhere from a year to 53 years or 55 years? Your management style is, if I don't know you, then it don't matter what I do to you. And that's, that's just sad. And that's the way this company is approaching this negotiation. So nobody on the company's negotiating side really understands the, the workers that work for them and put out those products and come in and work late at night, uh, early in the mornings, and they take a lot of pride. Our workers, our members take a lot of pride in what they make. They make a good quality product. They want to make sure the consumer gets the best product out there, but the company's only worried about the profits and the green. So our, back to what we want. We want no concessions. We want no takeaways. We want our fair share of the profits that the company's gone forward with. No cuts in benefits, no cuts in health care, no cuts in our premium pays. Uh, we want respect and dignity for management to treat the workers. Just get to know them. Just get to know them. They're really good people. If you just get to know them, you'll understand how dedicated they are to the products and the company they work for. And just give us a fair contract. That's what we're looking for, Michelle. Well, you've explained to me yesterday, this is gotten to be a little bit of a bullying situation and it's not going to change and yeah. workers demand it. Will you just talk about how important it is for them to just stay strong, yeah. keep the unity in their bargaining committees? Yeah, we've got a really good group of people on the negotiating team from the different locations. They're doing a great job representing their workers. They are all come together. They all communicate together and they're all on the same page together of what we have to achieve as workforce and what we're trying to do, which is to get a fair contract. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the company, uh, as a bully, uh, has, has we've got unfair labor practice charges filed against the company right now. We feel like this is, could be an unfair labor practice strike uh, and that the, where there are on strike already, and, and soon there'll be more on strike too as this escalates. But the, the company you know, has, has come to the table with a bully attitude. It's our way or no way, and uh, we're going to take from the workers and don't care. They just don't care. And the workers said enough's enough. This is, they've done took their pension. Now they're trying to take the premium pace. Now they're trying to take their seniority away. Now they're trying to take and take and take uh, benefits, healthcare. And, and um, the workers have stood up and said enough is enough. When you have a bully in the school, the bully's going to keep picking on you as long as he knows he can get away with it. Until the people turn back on that bully and say enough is enough and make it loud and clear, which is what the workers are doing right now on strike is letting the company know enough is enough. They want to work for this company. They want to make the company profitable, but they don't feel like they should be treated the way they're being treated and bullied like they're being bullied. They are just as part of this company as anybody who works for this company up in management or around the world. They are very dedicated workers and we should respect them. I'm, I commend everybody who is on strike and who will be on strike soon. I'm hoping the company comes to the table to try to settle a fair contract uh, so far, they've come in with their still bully tactics, and uh, they're still doing bully tactics out on the street. Uh, you know, they, they've shown no regard for the workers on the street. They've shown no regards for the workers' uh, voices. Although, I went through a couple plants. I went through Chicago just a month or so ago and went through Richmond, Virginia just a few weeks ago. And even the local management understands that people are so upset. They feel like they've been disrespected. They feel like the company doesn't listen to them. They feel like the company doesn't care about them. And, and management will acknowledge that. They understand that they hear that every day on the shop floor, but yet they don't want to change that. They must like it or they would make a change. 
but they don't make a change to those issues. And they just keep bullying. And that's why the workers are standing up. And it's time for them to stand up. And this international, the President Shelton and I uh, have said since uh, we've come in office, when the workers say enough's enough and it's time to hit the street, you, we've got their back. We're there with them as long as they want to fight. And we'll fight alongside with them and, and, uh, and help out any way we can to make this a successful contract for our members of what they want. They're the ones that make those decisions. And when it's, they say it's time to go, it's time to go. Because if you don't fight eventually, you just keep giving more. And the next time they want more, and next time they want to take more, uh, it's just that bully mentality. They just won't stop until somebody stops them. But we want the company to be successful, but we also want our dignity and respect too. Uh, and that's what the workers have told me from every location. Uh, it, it, it really comes down to the company just doesn't care about the workers and the workers' feelings and their families. They just don't care. I think this is really great information for subsequent conversations that I'm going to be having over the next couple of days. But I really wanted to get you in here first, somebody that's been close to the negotiations to explain really what's behind everything. So. And I appreciate Michelle this time. And, and I just want to encourage my brothers and sisters uh, throughout the BCT gym and the whole AFL cell movement, uh, share our podcast. Uh, listen to the next few days when the workers are talking to you about why they're out, why they're fighting, and, and what they have to endure every day in the plants. Please go to our Facebook page, uh, BCTGM Facebook page, uh, the Bisco Workers Unite Facebook page. Look at it, watch the videos. There's been some outside sources do some videos. There's been some reporters do some stories that actually interviewed our workers and they tell the story better than I could. They've lived it for so long and endured uh, the uh, disrespect from the company. And, and they can tell the story a lot better than I can because they've, they've actually lived it and I've heard it all, but I really encourage the public and everybody who listens to this podcast or anybody who can share it to more people and get the word out even more, we need to get it out there. And one more thing, uh, check the label. Uh, check the label on the products. You know, products made in Mexico. If you look on the package, somewhere on that package, it's going to say uh, where this product is made. If it says made in Mexico, put it back. And, and what's sad about this is, and the reason I, we asked the public to do this is because they are taking our good American jobs. They are exploiting those people. There's nothing against the people in Mexico, the workers in Mexico. There's nothing wrong with the workers down there. It ain't their fault. It's this greedy company trying to exploit them to take away from others. But we've got to stop it. We got to let the company know, no, that's not right. We need American jobs, good American quality jobs, good paying jobs, which we've always had. And now they want to destroy it. So we're asking people to check the label Definitely check the label and, and don't buy any Nabisco products made in Mexico. Also, uh, I'm so proud. We are so proud here at the International of, of the workers and them standing up and fighting. And to my BCTGM brothers that will hear this, uh, stay strong. We're with you. Anything you need, we're there for you. Uh, we're going to get through this. Stay strong. We do love you. Appreciate it. That's great. Good. All right. I'm going to link all of these resources for everybody to be able to see. Uh, all those videos that Secretary Treasurer Woods is talking about are on the Nabisco Workers United Facebook page. And I'll, I'll link that in this video and I'll link it when this becomes a podcast as well so that you can find all that stuff as well as the flyer, the check right. graphics and all of that stuff. So thank you again. I guess we'll go ahead and end right. it. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org.